Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solidary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, we have a very special episode of the podcast for you, an unscheduled mini-sode preempting Baxter Building Episode 16 so that Graham and I can talk about the firing of Shelley Bond from Vertigo and the reaction on the internet that included the identity of a serial sexual harasser at DC. It is a mostly serious discussion from two traditionally non-serious dudes so that we hope we do not make too much of a hash of it and that you join us for this hour-long conversation. Baxter Building Episode 16 is postponed for only a few days. We thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham, Graham McMillan! How are you doing? Uh, I am fine, other than suddenly the uh, the Power Records recording of the Fantastic Four, the way it began, started playing as soon as Skype answered. <laughs> I think that's entirely appropriate. Oh, man. So you say. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if we are recording yeah, let's let's check that this time. Well, I, so I've got the the. Uh, it's all right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, there was just it was just one of those things where I'm like. Oh no, I'm super paranoid about this after last night. Oh, are you kidding? I mean, I feel like we're stuck <laughs> in. World you know what's really funny? Yes. Kate, Kate and I were talking about this yesterday. And she's like, so. You're going to check with Jeff that you're recording, right? And I was like, yes. And she's like, why don't you do that anyway? And I was all, because we're always recording. <laughs> we're the same, right? Like, we don't need to check anymore because that's just what happens. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, the number of, of episodes that we've actually recorded without either of us even checking. I mean, I've checked to make sure call recorder was open, but... This was the first time in a long, long time we yeah, got faked I, out. Yeah, I think, I think we'd only ever done it once before where this has happened. Exactly, exactly. And considering we're well over 200 podcasts, that's... Yeah, I, th- I think we're fine. Yeah. So wait, do you want to hang up and see if it's recording or do you feel... No, 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 no. I, I, I can see it now. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but it, it was just I couldn't get to the right call recorder window, but I specifically opened and resized Skype so that I could look and, and make sure that it was recording while we talked. Phew! Phew, indeed, Graham McMillan. Phew. Oh, my uh, God. Should I do another Jeff Lester so we can do the, the minicast? Or what do you want it to do? Uh, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. Are you ready? I, I think so. Jeff Lester! Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just so bad with the cues. I know. Graham McMillan, hello. How are you, sir? That was amazing. Just fake me out from the get-go. <laughs> Technical difficulties this time include Jeff just not answering. Exactly. Jeff being a dick. I like I like the way you listed it. It sounded like the medical side effects on some exactly. sort of new drug. Side effects may include Jeff being a dick. Skype not recording your call. And and that's it. Oh, but I have something when we finish uh, mm-hmm. recording that I've realized I have to tell you that's actually really important and I can't forget. So you have to remind me. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> Listeners, this is honestly has nothing to do with anything important. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless you're Jeff and I. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not missing anything. It's really mundane. It's just that, I'm, in fact, Jeff, I'm just going to tell you now and you can edit this. Oh, okay, uh, perfect. Now we can get back to the podcast. So the, Should I do a, a, a Jeff Lester again? Yeah, sure. That sounds <laughs> great. Lots and lots of, of things. Take three, everyone. Yeah. Jeff Lester! Seriously? 
Jeff, you're just fucking with me. Uh, I'm so sorry, Graham. That is really not cool. It's Here's like, the thing. You love it. You're really enjoying just not answering when I do that now, aren't you? I just, I just think that it's such a funny joke on like any number of really dumb levels. Like multiple levels, but they're all stupid. So one of those is, is that I'm just like an enormous tool by continuing to do it. But, uh, yes, everyone. Hello. It's I, Jeff Lester, and I'm talking to Graham McMillan, and this is a special Wait, what urgent news minicast? Because, uh... <laughs> yeah, so, so we, like, we did a back, we really did do a back building last week, and, and technology thought, hey, guess what, you guys? Fuck you. Yeah. And so we didn't have a recording of it. So we're doing that again, momentarily, but in the, like, was it Thursday? Wednesday uh, night? It was Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night, Shelly Bond, got fired from Vertigo and Jeff and I are emailing and we're like oh if only we could do like two podcasts this week yeah. wait <laughs> uh, and so we are so this is like a mini yeah it's, it's kind of like a mini cast which is crazy because I honestly feel between Shelley Vond the death of Prince and the don't talk don't talk about the death of Prince like Okay, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'll, let's do some backstory for people who don't know what we're talking about, and I, I'll get to my point in the process. Okay. Wednesday night, uh, it is announced. It's not even announced. It somehow leaks, and then DC do a very quick like statement afterwards that is quite clearly r- written on while they've been caught out. Uh, Shelley Bond is out of Vertigo. Uh, the VP and executive editor position of Vertigo itself is gone. And Vertigo is being "quote unquote" restructured by DC Comics. Mm. As that gets out on social media, that immediately gets paired with a story that is actually entirely separate, except there's a connect, uh, there's connective tissue, mm-hmm. which is um, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this properly that is not legally actionable. <laughs> well, I. I- um, because I think I think we can just say it now, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been said widely enough that I'm. Okay, kind of so like, yeah. so while this is coming out, uh, people are like, "This is terrible." DC has pushed out like their top female editor, and uh, there is a known sexual abuser still working at DC Comics, and that sexual abuser is Eddie Berganza, the editor of the Superman books. Right, right. To 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 finish my thought. This is, this, this came out, uh, the sexual abuse of the Eddie Berganza part has been known as an, uh, quote unquote open secret in comics for a while. No. For, for, for quite a while. But has also been revealed before because I want to say late last year or maybe early this year, Alex DeCampi just outright named him. Uh, she, she didn't outright name him. She, I want to say she did, Jeff. Oh, that's, you, that, that's totally def- fine. I so- definitely named him like in public hmm. and if it wasn't alex then it was it i'm really like 99 percent sure it was alex okay well there's let me fine-tune things if you uh just a little yeah, bit sure. and if you want if you want to look things up or double check while i do i i i i don't i feel that i'm already striking up the band is the white guy patriarchal apologist but i do think that it's worth <laughs> dialing back uh, the language just a little bit, uh, in, I, to, from sexual abuser and not say, yeah, to, right. yeah, sexual harassment, not sexual abuser. You're, you are 100% correct in that. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, the th- way I was going though was, so this broke on Wednesday night. This conversation was still going on on Thursday. Thursday, as everyone knows, Prince died. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to tell you, Jeff, I was genuinely surprised how upset I was mm-hmm. by Prince dying mm-hmm. and how, uh, it colored my Thursday and my Friday mm-hmm. really significantly. My Thursday and my Friday were really surreal anyway. Mm. Various things were going on. Uh, in part connected to the Vertigo story and to a lesser extent the Braganza story mm-hmm. uh, in a professional level mm-hmm. uh, that were unusual, mm-hmm. shall we say. Like th- that I had I had conversations with people that I don't normally talk to. I had conversations about things I don't normally talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it would have been kind of weird. And then Prince died. Uh, and I, I was, I was really upset. I was surprisingly upset because I wouldn't have said I was a massive Prince fan, but I, I found myself very, very upset by his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that colored everything that happened. So the next couple of days on social media, uh, I bit my tongue so fucking much because the discussion, not even surrounding Vertigo anymore, because that really fell off very quickly, but the discussion surrounding Berganza and who knew what when and the appropriate way for everyone to deal with it mm-hmm. was astonishingly frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, frustrating on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but so which part do you want to talk about first, Jeff? Do you want to get Prince out of the way first? Because uh, that's actually the most straightforward because you just be like, we're really sad. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll have to keep it with that. I mean, honestly, I would love to talk about it a little bit more in an extended podcast kind of way, just because I felt like, um, you know, I kept my comments to a minimum, but I was devastated. And the weird thing is, is I knew it was, I don't want to say I knew it was coming, but I, I remember back when Bowie died in the early part of 2016. And I think people, you know, there was kind of a little bit of a, oh, Jesus, you know, who else would, you know, would die that would yeah, really... Who, who could compare? It was, yeah. was like, it's, it's, it is the sort of weird, ghoulish thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So, well, and also, it, Prince, Prince was like, had a really weird last week. Mm-hmm. Like, there was the rumor that Prince was dead last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of interesting, the gossip that I heard after the fact that, I don't know, I think the Daily Beast had dug up or something, which... You know, which made a lot of sense, and we'll see if official statements ever got released. But, uh, you know, that, that whole, the whole nature of that, it, it didn't, for me, it didn't really matter. What mattered was, is that Prince died. And, and as early as back when Bowie died, I was like, I will be completely fucked up when Prince goes. Cause Prince is sort of Bowie because of my age and everything else. Um, uh, Prince actually, uh, uh, hit me at the right time and expanded my consciousness the way that, that Bowie did, I think for people just a little bit older than me, or of course some people younger than me who discovered Bowie first, but being right where I was and when I was at the time, uh, when Prince was going, it was, it was, that was, it was such a big deal. I was, that is the, I think the only time I've really ever considered, um, <clears throat> just, just basically calling in sick, you know, cause it happened while yeah. I was at work and just kind of being like, I've got to make an excuse and I'm going to leave work, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was, 
I honestly wouldn't have said that I was a big Prince fan. Yeah, in fact, but, there, there was a time when I think we were talking about, uh, it might have been something as goofy as me talking about Purple Rain as a superhero movie, you know, as a superhero yeah. origin movie or something. And some of the things that you were saying made me think like, oh, Graham really doesn't kind of like or especially get prints. So it was kind of interesting hearing that you were, you were. So oh, upset. I was, I was, I was really, I was surprisingly upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, to this day, this day being like three days after it happened. Um, I, I, I don't understand why, but I, I really was far more than I was about Bowie. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I'm really, really upset. And it, it, it upset in the, I'm angry about it way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found myself just unnaturally angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday, but especially Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it really was, it, it was such a, uh, it sounds silly to be like, it's too soon, but, but, it, you know, 57 is so fucking young. It's really young. It's really young, you know, uh, and, and I, I get it. I don't think that that, that I think that is part of it because there is a little bit with Bowie. I think because of the age, it's like for me, I sort of associate him with the previous generation. Even when I actually sit down and look at things, and I'm like, oh, it's it's really just sort of a matter of years, I guess, you know. But Prince, uh, oh, oof. anyway. So yeah, it was kind of strange, you know. El Collins actually tweeted something where she uh, said something like, uh, "I don't want Prince's death to basically. I don't want Prince of died to cover up Eddie Berganza's." Yeah, I, I saw a lot of those tweets. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, on the one hand, I definitely uh, empathize. You know, there's there is that sort of thing sometimes in history where something happens and then you know, a huge, uh, person, you know, dies and everything, all the rest of the news just kind of gets washed away or it just really ends up n- not mattering. You well, know, I, it, I will tell you that I was literally on the phone talking to someone mm-hmm. about the Braganza thing when I found out the prince, when Oof. that prince had died, literally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of the conversation, I was like, well, I guess this doesn't really matter anymore because prince just died. Mm-hmm. And I was being semi-facetious but also not right do you know what i mean because like you find something like that out and you're like oh shit mm-hmm. i uh the uh the briganza thing jeff <laughs> the briganza thing <laughs> um so this is what is i'm going to say no one but i'm sure people will quibble with this because a lot of it is not exactly hearsay but mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how much of it can actually be said to be, like, undisputable fact. Okay. However, in 2010, Braganza, who I want to say at the time was uh, an executive editor mm-hmm. at DC, um, had at least one report of sexual harassment against him. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's more than one. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, I say definitely because no, no, it's been reported I, I, as multiples. Yes. Well, it's been reported that there was multiple instances of sexual harassment. I don't know how many people reported it, is the thing. Mm. Oh, I see. Right. You, um, you mean that made it into the press, you mean? or No, no, that made it into the, like, actually were reported to HR. Oh, I see. Um, nonetheless, 
he he was reprimanded in some way, I guess. Cause yeah. Definitely HR knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but kept his job mm-hmm. at DC. Um, and again, this is multiple instances of sexual harassment. Yes. Two years later, there are more instances of sexual harassment, mm-hmm. including one that goes public, which is Berganza sexually harassing an artist at San Diego Comic-Con. I thought it was WonderCon. Am I, am I mistaken in that? You might be correct. I want to say it's Comic-Con, but... Okay. One, uh, a, a major a, West Coast a, comic book convention. Yes. Um, that, again, gets taken up by... Uh, I want to say at this point, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. uh, HR. Uh, Berganza is sent to therapy. Mm-hmm. He is demoted. Mm-hmm. He is, I want to say, suspended, but I'm not. I'm not 100% sure if he's suspended. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, again, he keeps his job at DC. Yeah. Um, according to people within DC, mm-hmm. he has not been a problem since I want to put a lot of caveats in there mm-hmm. one of them is apparently after the 2012 incident he was not allowed to be in an office with women quarantined is the way yes. that I put it that I thought was very evocative yes quarantined uh, in an all male office um uh, there are also people who say that he was not allowed to work with female creators. Mm-hmm. That's that's disprovable. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that there were women working on the Wonder Woman titles and the Super, Supergirl titles mm-hmm. uh, subsequently. But in talking with someone about this, they suggested that it might have been that he was initially not allowed to work with female creators. And then, as he basically didn't cause a problem, that was relaxed. Mm-hmm. Again, that is all conjecture. Mm-hmm. All that is known for a fact is at some point there were women working on Superman uh, titles and Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. which she edits. Uh, there is also a great Ape post, which I don't know if you saw today, Jeff, the Ape wrote, where he essentially makes the case of just because there are no reports against you doesn't mean you're well behaved anymore because people might have learned that there's no point in reporting anything anymore because this guy still has his job after two reports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really worth considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think it's worth considering that there's a possibility that the therapy quote unquote worked and he is not sexually harassing people anymore. Um, one of the things I've really struggled with mm-hmm. over the last couple of days is You'll remember when Chris Sims' uh, harassment, online harassment, was being discussed, and a lot of people stood up and said, "He's changed." Yes. We, don't we want people to change? Isn't this the win? And that, does that count, Spraganza? Like, <laughs> I, 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 and I've really, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Mm-hmm. Like, what What is different is the fact that it's online harassment versus in-person sexual harassment. Does it make what Braganza did worse? Or harder to come back from? Is it that we like the people who like Chris more? Is it that people are actually saying, but he's changed? And no one's really saying that about Braganza because the important thing in here is DC's not talking about this at all mm-hmm. publicly. Mm-hmm. DC has not said anything on the record about this. Right. 
Um, and again, this has been a quote unquote open secret for years mm-hmm. and is now openly discussed. Uh, one of the reasons that I think that people are talking about it so openly is that one of the people who is talking about it is one of the people who in 2010 reported him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it goes beyond hearsay when it's actually one of the accusers. That's right. <clears throat> that's right. That's really important. That, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if I can jump in for a second, Graham. Uh, you could take over, Jeff. I'm sick of hearing myself talk. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is kind of a tough, uh, topic, certainly. One of the things that I think is interesting, at least for me, uh, is I wonder to what extent the analogy might map a little bit better. Uh, between, say, Eddie Berganza and some of the talk that went around uh, Nathan Edmondson at Marvel, you know, uh, just because of the case that Edmondson had a, you know, it kind of it was a quote unquote open secret. People were more scared. It seemed like there were multiple cases in which he had. And I'm trying to think with Edmondson. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that it's not Edmondson that we should be looking for. It's uh, Scott Alley at Dark Horse. Oh, yeah. Or Alley at Dark Horse, actually, because Alley at Dark Horse is the one for whom there's a weird number of similarities, including, you know, inappropriate convention behavior, uh, uh, you know, the company um, sort of moving the person from, a, you know, downgrading their position within the company, um, <laughs> sending them to counseling. And also I want to say that both uh, in both cases, th- unless I cross the wires or other people cross the wires, there was the strange, Oh, I'm gay and just overcompensating uh, story that went around. I, I really don't think I heard that about Ali, but I might be at the loop. I really that, thought that, I that, had that, heard it about That's definitely Ali. one of the responses yeah. that Briganza apparently gave. Yes. That which... he was gay and he was overcompensating. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I, but it's Ali, I think, is, is the, the closest, uh, analogy. Mm-hmm. Something else I want to introduce, and I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, is that while this discussion has been going on, um, someone else came forward. And said that she had been sexually harassed by a different DC editorial person. That's right. Uh, the uh, someone the, uh, in the an, art an direction. Arts director. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at again a very recent con, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which really feeds into the narrative of DC is either actively protecting predators or a home for predators. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I'm trying to think about I, I, a non-ridiculous way to say this, but it's bad. Yeah. I think yeah, we yeah. can be that. It's bad. You know, I think my thing is, is I just feel that although, how do I put it? DC seems to have a very entrenched corporate culture. But as you point out, there's the situation with Scott Alley. I don't. <clears throat> I'm not sure that I necessarily think of DC as more of a home for quote unquote predators than just about any other comic book company out there. Frankly, well, I, I, I was, I was thinking about that this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of someone who was an image, mm-hmm. but I can't think of anyone else who is an image right now. That the rumors are about, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of any sexual harassment stories I've heard from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Again, 
I might just be at the loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be honest, sadly, I probably am at the loop. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think because, there is I am mm-hmm. a like forty-something white guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, there are conversations that go on that don't include me, and to be honest, shouldn't include me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very possible that, and also to be completely cynical, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if there is sexual harassment going on at Marvel. No, me too. Me too. But but you have these two things happening at DC that are being spoken about mm-hmm. openly, somewhat less openly in case of the second story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it speaks to, I think it speaks to a problem that may not be solely confined to DC, but is definitely present to DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that DC culture in general is to not address these things. Well, I just... It, it, it's a problem, but at the same time, so to to pivot off something I was saying earlier on, mm-hmm. a lot of conversation about this has been driving me insane because A, a lot of people on social media are just having the facts of the story wrong. Mm-hmm. Outright wrong. Mm-hmm. I've seen lots of people say, uh, Eddie Braganza was promoted after this, which <laughs> I have seen people say, DC did nothing, which is not true. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen a lot of people essentially say, it is our responsibility on Twitter to out these guys and to hound them out. And that's that's a real... I have real problems with that. But what's also really interesting to me is I've seen a lot of people say it's the old guard of fans and the old guard of journalists who are protecting this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really made me step back. Because I... I... I, I obviously don't support what Baganza did. Do not. However, I've known the open secret for some time. I have been, I've had discussions with people at DC about it on a professional level. Mm-hmm. Before I, this week. Before this week. I have spoken with peop, other journalists about this who were investigating the story and I never outed them, you know? So at what point, I, am I complicit? I, I, I don't know. And, and, is the idea that I like is me wanting to push back with well no DC did something and like what is DC supposed to do now because they have theoretically quote unquote addressed the issue twice both times it was reported so they can't just outright fire him now because he has quote unquote done nothing wrong for the last four years mm-hmm. uh, but in me saying that am I then supporting a harasser? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I, I get tangled up in knots about that. I really have been that. Like so, while all, all, like while I've been unnaturally angry about Prince, I've also been wanting to be like, all of you, shut the fuck up, <laughs> everyone. Right. Like everyone's just making this worse. Well, uh... I, I, which is unreasonable. Which is why I've also been saying nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get that, and I think, and I think that's fair, because because a lot of this just boils down to. Um... Well, at the risk of putting myself in, um, uh, putting my stupid foot in my stupid mouth, we have a situation here actually in uh, San Francisco where um, somebody was killed by the police recently. In, and I say recently, I think I mean something like two years ago in my neighborhood. And the police uh, handled, the police shot this person Um and it was that classic case of we were concerned for our life, so they shot him like 18 times. Sure, uh, exactly. He had a carrot 
who who could have known? Well, and this is this is one of those things where it's like this guy was actually you know on Bernal Hill. He had a taser in his hand. Um, he had. Uh, there were people on the hill who actually felt uncomfortable with him and it, it, his presence, and it said that he'd been strange and aggressive, you know, and that's part of why the police got called. Uh, they told him to put down what he had in his hand and ostensibly could not tell that it was a taser as opposed to a gun. He did not put it down for whatever reason, got shot like a bajillion times. Now, as someone who was here on the hill during the day, not, not near him, but I remember actually seeing because of some of the emails and, um, on the, the safety mailing list, there were reports of this guy being aggressive and strange before, you know, he actually got shot. So there's, there's a, there's a situation where for me, I think that on the one hand, it's, it's a horrible tragedy. Do I think that this guy was probably messed up or crazy high or later it turns out he had, you know, a history of mental illness uh, and and one of the things that is becoming all too clear is that the cops have absolutely no training for handling the mentally ill uh, and and are, you know, generally trigger crazy. Yeah, but it's not like but I have this weird thing of like it's it's an issue that refuses to go away. And I'm like in for me in my heart, I'm like, there's so many other heartbreaking cases of the police being complete homicidal dickheads. You know, there's, there's a case of a guy who I, you remember bat kid day, you bat kid day, right here in San Francisco where everyone gave like a special parade for like bat kid. And he got to go run around and do all these amazing, like, things as part of his make a wish deal and it all got filmed and the the streets were thronged with people you know a guy who was like you know a, a, a black man in his mid-20s who like lives over on valencia street came home on his bicycle um after attending the bat kid parade and because he rode his bicycle on the sidewalk two cops picked him up and smashed his face into a wall and put him into the hospital and what the fuck what what is this fucking world yeah right you know and and there's it was just this that was such a horrible moment and it's almost never gotten covered meanwhile this case that admittedly not what anyone would call like well handled to me was like a, a lot more sort of weirdly understandable with some of the facts at hand, not a lot more, but you know, is it, all of which is to say is, is that people in a situation that they, uh, in a long standing unfair situation where they have no power and the other party has abused their power relentlessly over a period of time, when people finally decide that they've quote unquote have had enough and they're not going to take anymore, there's no guarantee that it's going to land on exactly sort of the right case or the right situation. And for me anyway, the fact that the situation, the stuff with Braganza is old, that he attended uh, therapy, um, 
you know, that he was kept away from working with women until such time as blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, in a way, the company did something. I think the company, to me, really acted utterly shittily in the sense By that... By not firing him? Well, I don't know about not firing him. No, but, but the, f- no hold on. Let me finish. Okay. But for me, the fact that this guy s- was still the head of the Wonder Woman books during the situation after this situation happened he was demoted did they take the did they split wonder woman off and take it away from him they didn't and i mean part of me is like well that's kind of dumb because frankly if we had a it drives me crazy that you know quote unquote female creators should only work on quote unquote female books you know the fact that you have female creators you know are should be are allowed to write and draw, you know, uh, Batgirl, but like, uh, writing Batman is something that like only dudes get to do, you know, for the majority of the time at DC. Sure. Or, no, yeah, you know, you're right. It, it is to me it, utterly heinous. But the fact is with that rule set in place, the fact that Wonder Woman was still kept under Berganza, which meant that it was either walled off or that people had to walk into, a lion's den, even if it's a quote unquote reformed lion, I, I think I think DC could have done more. Let's put it that way. I feel oh. the fact that they did not do more from separating Berganza at the very least from the Wonder Woman books uh, is is pretty shitty. Is pretty shitty and is a real sign, I think, again, of how blind in many ways companies are from dealing with this sort of behavior and this sort of behavior. I feel, I don't know if it's endemic within the comic industry or not. I think part of the thing that's problematic is that the way the comic industry is pretty much set up, the possibility for abuses of power are endemic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, and that is, that is something that is very troubling. Here's the funny thing. I honestly thought that this was going to be a discussion where I was softer on Brigantza than you are. And yeah, I'm the one who's like, the fact that he had two complaints against him, I can't believe DC didn't get rid of him after the second one. Yeah. Like, really? That's that's the part that floors me. If there was just the 2010 or just the 2012, I think I'd be like, you know, that's, that's a problem, mm-hmm. but it's understandable. But two, two years apart, you know, like you, really, you, I, I, you uh, had two separate women who came forward in public, not even to the companies, but two separate women that came forward and talked about Brian Wood's behavior toward them. And Wood still continues to get work get across all the major companies, you know, except he doesn't. He does. He was. He's a dark horse. He's got multiple titles there. He's, he's a got dark horse. And he's titles. Image. That's it. Image for now. For now. I don't. If anyone's got like a you know a thing saying that it's a blacklist, I don't think so. I think it's just no, I, I, he's not it. in particular yeah. favor at, at those companies. I, maybe I don't know because I don't I, think it was not like he was working at those companies and suddenly he was dropped. He pretty much had run well, he, out his he, chain. He was still writing, you know, he was writing that X Men book. Oh no, he he stayed at Marvel. 
a surprisingly long time after that. Yeah. I have to admit, I thought that Marvel were going to drop him. And no, he, he not only stayed at Marvel, he got like Moon Knight and shit after that. Yeah. Like the siege title. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, Jeff. Because so here's I, the thing. There are blacklists at companies. Mm-hmm. And creators are on them. And creators mm-hmm. are on them for that type of reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then then Braganza still has a job after two complaints. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, uh, I because, don't know. Because uh, I feel create, I do feel that again, creators are the, the balance of equality. The, the, the power in the industry is always favors the publisher and the publisher favors the editors. The It's far easier for the creators sure, to end up but, on a but, list. Uh, Let's go back to looking at, you know, the reports, the, the, all the allegations that Julia Schwartz was that's a, I, I yeah. was going to go back there because someone with a very, very grim sense of humor uh, tweeted that Braganza was just keeping up the tradition. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Right. I mean, that's dark. <laughs> Uh, having a sexual harasser in charge of Superman. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. there's terrible stories about Schwartz out there. Yeah. Like, t- appalling mm-hmm. stories about Schwartz out there. Yeah. And, but, and not only that, but Schwartz was the quote unquote goodwill ambassador for DC until he died. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> so it's not even like, you know, we only found that stuff out afterwards. A, no, you didn't. And B, even when he was no longer at the company. He was everyone's favorite uncle and the goodwill ambassador for the fucking company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, so for me, I'm like the, the industry is fucked up and toxic. The whole thing with Braganza <laughs> is, is a sign, uh, is a sign of it. Yeah. It's a symptom. And I think for me, there's a little bit where, as much as as much as I can see, and I really feel for people's anger and distress. Again, feeling like it lands on it because there is just this feeling of creepy, awful oppressiveness, you know, uh, against women and people of color in the industry for so long that, or you know, is that when this stuff finally comes out, it is there is a like, okay, like you know, I think I think Braganza is just the fact that he is. His name has been out there and he's been outed, but it says something that, like you said, that a, that these stories were out there, at least in a, there was a very flimsy fabric, you know, like, uh, I don't think I remember seeing the stories, the rumors, the blind items about Braganza, but I don't think I ever saw any piece. Braganza Braganza was outright named in 2012. I don't think I saw that piece. But, I but, really don't. Yeah, I, I don't think many people did. Yeah. But it was outright named mm-hmm. in public in 2012. Well, I, I uh, think that does say something. Why Why was he named then and and it didn't go anywhere? Why, why you know, is there a critical mass that is built up in terms of people's ability to, to take this, you know, for this news to get disseminated or... Well, so let's... Let's actually leave Braganza because honestly, aside from it's all horrific. Oh Jesus, it's all horrific. Am I complicit in it? I don't know. Right. I hate everything. Right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I have more of a conclusion for that. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I want to. Sort of. I want to go back to Shelley Bond leaving Vertigo. I think that's a good point. I think and, that's and I a want, good point. It's super fascinating to me that 
Shelley Bond is fired from Vertigo basically turned into the Eddie Berganza story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, is, it's very strange because they are two separate stories. Yes, they absolutely are. They genuinely are. Unless you want to make the point that DC is an inherently misogynist. Uh, or, or that, that's the connective tissue. The connective tissue is DC is, is an unhealthy place for women to work. Yeah, as, okay. As, because because mm-hmm. it was being positioned, Jeff, as DC fired their top woman editor and a sexual harasser got promoted. I saw people saying literally that, and multiple people saying literally that. Yeah. Well, I think I think the story is is that I mean, but but once you remove their misunderstanding, it is the fact that one of the few powerful women, few powerful women editors in mainstream comics, got fired, and a dude who uh, a powerful dude got demoted for things that are much worse than whatever we assume Shelley Bond got fired for, you know. Welcome to corporate America, where is sexual harassment actually worse than not making enough money? Right, right. You know, and the answer is, is that when someone makes enough money, there all kinds of things are yeah. excused. And know? here's the the weird thing: like, if that's what's keeping brigands at the company, the Superman books aren't that popular. No, no, they're they're you not. Know, that's, yeah. that, that's the kind of weirdly fascinating thing to me. It's mm-hmm. like, what is it? Is there some sort of like he just has institutional skills or memories that are worth him keeping around? And if so, why doesn't Shelley Bond? Although this is where I also say that I, like I said, I talked to people inside and of and outside of uh, DC this week mm-hmm. about the Shelley Bond thing, and I definitely got uh, I, I got the impression from talking to multiple people that it's not as clear cut as Shelley Bond was fired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't feel particularly comfortable going beyond that, mm-hmm. but definitely the impression I got from multiple people was that, uh, Shelley's actually complete, not only completely fine, but possibly happy about the way things have gone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, which is, which puts another wrinkle in things. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense that you, you have, I mean, she, uh, and her family were paid to be re- relocated to the West Coast by DC. She probably will get a decent sized severance. And unless there's some sort of crazy non-compete clause in there, she is now on, on the coast at which the majority of the major comic book companies with the, I think the exception of Marvel and I don't know, arguably Dynamite are located. Mar- Marvel, Dynamite, Valiant and Archie are the big ones on the West Coast now. On the East Coast now. On the East Coast, yeah. You know, but over, over here, you've got Image, you've got, uh, uh, Oni, you've got IDW, you've got Dark Horse, uh, you've got, more. You've got a bunch of, you've got a bunch you've got of fancy graphics. You've got Oni. You've mm-hmm. got Top Shelfer out here. IDW is out here. Yeah. Image is out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's a bunch. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you know, in that sense, she's like, yeah, I, this, this could be, you know, in a, in a way, it might be a very decent change for her, especially since Vertigo has been shackled by any number of things that have made it somewhat difficult, 
um, I think for them, for Vertigo to compete in the way that they needed to compete, you know, uh, and, and everything from goodwill sort of being kind of more or less extinguished with retailers to good, you know, the creative clauses and contracts being curtailed to the point where people are like, eh, I would rather scrape together the cash and try and make a go of it at image. Well, that. that's just it. Like the books that you would once have thought was a vertical book. Mm-hmm. It's an image book now. Yeah. I mean, th- with, with a few exceptions, mm-hmm. uh, you you don't get the, vertical books that you once expected and i think i think that's a problem yeah it's it's just and here's the thing i can't blame dc for wanting to do something with vertical no because vertical has not been working mm-hmm. vertical has had some good books out there like mm-hmm. i i will go to the map for sheriff of babylon right but but you can't really look at vertical like it in the last i mean what the last 10 years even <laughs> and go that's a line that's in good shape. And so, yeah, I can't blame DC for looking at it and being like, we have to do something. Mm-hmm. Now, is getting rid of Shelley and for that matter, extinguishing the entire fucking autonomy of Vertigo by making them answerable to uh, Jim Lee and Dan Dio the right thing? I, I don't know. Uh, my, my immediate gut reaction is probably not. No. But, but it's something. And I can't, I really can't be mad at them for trying something because something needs to be done mm-hmm. well I I, uh, I I think I think so too I think so as well I mean for myself I have to say that um, there's there's not a ton of stuff that I feel that that bond developed at image uh, at, at vertigo over the last I don't know, 10 or 15 years that really made a strong impression with me. Maybe if I'd been super into fables, that would, I would feel very differently about that. Um, I know that in talking to, to you, you'd mentioned that she'd edited the invisibles and, uh, shade the changing man at some point anyway. Although it, I, it was funny after I said that to you in the email, I was then like, did she just edit the shitty issues of shades? <laughs> like, did, <laughs> did she inherit shade after 50? And I think she might have. Well, and also if she did the last volume of the invisibles, Oh, I, think, I think she did all the Invisibles. I think she is. she's the editor all the way through of the Invisibles. Well, I'm going to look at my collection of the first uh, issues of the Invisibles and see. But I in, want to in, say she did all the Invisibles. In that case, I'm like, Shelley Bond, good on you for Volume 2 of the Invisibles. And what were you thinking with Volume 3 of the Invisibles? Hey, I really like Volume 3. It's it's a mess, but I really like it. Ooh, but see, I feel like some of the messes uh, are because of editorial no, sure, choices. No, sure it's the uh, Invisibles to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, that sort of makes sense because he was uh, Morrison's editor on uh, at least on Doom Patrol, right? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, he wasn't. No, he. Wa- I don't even think he was a DC when Doom Patrol was coming out. Doom Patrol definitely was edited. Oh, was that by Art by, somebody? By Mark Wade and then Art Young. Art Young. That's it. Is it's Art Young? Yeah. Um, let's see. Did Shelley do all of the fables? This is literally me digging through my trades now. Going ah, the comic it, podcast. There's right? we should we should There's have that like moment. We should have like digging through long boxes. Shelley Bond did do all the fables, right? So uh, yeah, let's face it. Fables was the last big hit of Vertigo. Oh, absolutely! It was huge. It was it was a huge, huge, 
huge money maker for them, and yeah, it did kept it did keep them afloat for a good chunk of time for a long time. Yeah, yeah you know. But I mean, it's funny because at the same time, as Fables was coming out, by the Last Man was coming out, and it was Heidi McDonald that got that started. No, I know. Believe me, that that, that did her really well in DC. Yeah. Well, that that that's always still that's. That's always a, a weird what happened there kind of head scratcher for me. So, but uh, but I don't I don't know Heidi at all really. So it's not like I could be like, hey, you exactly. like launched one of the really successful Vertigo books and you were gone pretty much like I want to say she was gone after by, it launched. I, I think she was gone by the time the first issue came out. Jenny. Yeah, right. You know, so it was just... uh, but yeah, I. Uh... Here's the thing. I feel like I should feel much worse about Shelley being gone than I do. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't. Yeah, no, I kind of get it. I mean, again, it's I, I, that I, kind I, of... I'm actually more curious to see what Ellie Pyle uh, and Jamie Rich and Molly Mayne can come up with. And Will Moss, isn't he? Is he still over to go editor? No, or is Will, he gone Will's been at Marvel for a while. Oh, sorry. You're right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um... But it's <laughs> because uh, Mark Doyle was, was vertical. For mm-hmm. a long time, and then they give him the Batman books, mm, right? And it's like, hey, Gotham Academy, Batgirl, <laughs> you know, DC literally moved in his direction. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really curious to see Vertigo's future. I, this is when I should say that after talking to people at DC, uh, Vertigo has a future. I've been assured. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went in to certain conversations going, are you guys closing down Vertigo only to be told not in the slightest? Yeah. Like Vertigo is sticking around. Yeah. Please understand Vertigo is not going away. I would, I would think that considering the number of, you know, uh, Vertigo, uh, titles that have been adapted into other media. Um, yeah, I I was going to say after you've had like, uh, I zombie Mm -hmm. and, Lucifer, both of which have been, you have made it past the first season, which is, you know, unusual, especially considering, let's be honest, Lucifer's not a good show. Mm. Um, I, I, I do not blame Warners, at least, for being like, this, this thing where you've got like an IP farm for things that aren't superheroes. Right. Sure. Let's keep that one around. Yeah. Absolutely. And absolutely. Preacher's coming on AMC soon. Yes. Uh, right. Right. So yeah. So I mean, it is. It's kind of. It's kind of stockpiled deep. Sandman was making, you know, uh, a, a big chunk of progress um, in pre-production before, you know, Joseph uh, Gordon Lovett left it. So yeah, it's, no, there's it's still making progress. It's still being written. Yeah. yeah so. so yeah. So uh, it, it's true. I think. It, I think it is too valuable to die. I think the thing that's that's kind of sad is, is the vertigo seem trapped in kind of a, a lose, lose situation of on the one hand, when no one was paying attention to it, it was, it had, there were too many problems strikes against it to get stuff established in the marketplace. And uh, now that it's being paid attention to, frankly, as people pointed out, at least for me, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are not the people that I want paying attention to me, you know, personally i would not if i if i suddenly ended up in the hospital and i was assigned them as doctors i would be like 
you guys, I don't think that you should be handling my care. And then Jim Lee would be like, <laughs> but look at this sketch that I did of Batman. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. And Dan DiDio's like, that's why we removed your legs. You know, I don't <laughs> think that that's. Oh my God, I want DC General Hospital. <laughs> DC uh, Hospital. <laughs> DC ICU coming this week, summer to CW. ICU CW. Exactly. There's far too many acronyms. DCU ICU CCW. Also, all the acronyms seem to have C in them. Yeah, it's very important. C is the most, you just, it's, it's I, considered a. ICUW. <laughs> It's just, it's considered like, that's how, that's how you nail down an acronym. You know, you just, you're not going to get there it's without a C. Letters. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you got to have an I in there. Uh, and if it, preferably a C, if you can get both of those in there, you're like gold. So acronym gold, uh, you know, what's AGICU sad? as we call it. You know, what's sad? what you, you and I have just gone from genuinely despairing about Sexual harassment in the comic book industry to laughing at DC ICU jokes. Yes. It's like 10 minutes. That's right. We are, we are everything wrong in the comic. We, books. we kind of are. We pretty much are. Cause we're just like, just give me a pretty good joke about Jim Lee and Dan DiDio taking my legs and, uh, and you know, problem solved. Uh, I, 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 I will genuinely admit though, I, this, like my last couple of days have been very, am I the problem? Well, should I just move out the way? Are these guys right? Mm-hmm. They're the future, Granddad. Maybe I should step aside. <laughs> I, 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 I have had like a lot of, I don't know, feelings. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see how this rolls out in future Wade What episodes, listeners. Yeah, it's totally true. It could be really interesting. Um, because uh, because I right starts now. Well, because I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, I, I, yeah. Let Let's follow up at some some point. Because part of me is kind of like, well, what would you do, Graham? Because I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure you've given it some thought, and it's not. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean quit my job. Oh no, I, 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 I no, of course not. No, no, I no. just mean like, uh, just a moment of like, are are am I completely superfluous to the discussion? I would, I would kind of say yes, but I mean, again, yes. but there, but this is but my again, thing. Yeah. Is that fine? Uh, you know, I don't know. Do Honestly, I don't know. What's that? Do we stop the podcast? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, I mean, it's, it's a good At question. At what point do we become tomorrow's? Mm. And also, is that fine? Tomorrow's just nominated for a shit ton of Eisner's. <laughs> <laughs> well put, Graham. You're like, you know, as long as we're like selling out to the man, where's our Eisners? Which is a perfectly uh, valid question. I, I, wait, I, are we selling it? Is this what selling it to the man feels like? Because I, I swear to God, I thought you got more for selling it to the man. No, I know. Well, that's it. The, that, well, and this is the problem. This is the problem with the comics industry. You can't, you can't sell out. You can sell out to the man. The problem is, is that the man is the man buying. <laughs> Is the man buying, and frankly, is the man paying anything more than a pittance? Because the fact is, no. There's so many people say, clambering have, over have, your shoulders. Have you, seen, have you seen the internet? Have you seen the comic book industry? Yeah. Put the two together, no one's paying anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. I mean, I really do think that that's it. You know, I... Okay, you know what's... An, comics 
are a billion dollar industry. You know what's an even bigger bigger billion dollar industry? Video games. Video games make so much more. And let me tell you, the journalistic situ plight in video games is just as dire. It's absolutely just as dire. Because even though there's all this money, anyone who needs to stay afloat in video game journalism is stuck in the same conundrum that comic book journalists are, which is no one is willing to pay or support any form of journalism that is not heavily tied to a preview review system, you know, and the review system is also heavily shackled to the preview system. In fact, it's the hardest thing that the video game industry journalistic journalism industry for video games has had to do is at best they can separate things to where they are just not giving softball reviews of shitty video game titles in exchange for continued coverage. You know, it's pretty much the same as with the comic book journalism industry in that, no, what happens is the people who are reviewing comic books, the majority of them who are willing to do the work for the pay that is offered, have such fanboyish lowered standards that you get a, you know, a, a ridiculously slack level of quality be celebrated by them, you know? But that's all of that is to the side of it is so hard for anyone to do hard reporting in journalism because if you do any hard reporting you do any hard checking you do any sort of situation the companies the video game companies on which those industry uh, the those magazines or websites are completely beholding to for previews will just turn off the taps you know and i know that you i mean this is one of the things that I feel like you and I have talked about off the air and even very much obliquely on the air is there have been stories that you've tried to get placed uh, that you couldn't get placed by companies, by the, the people that you work for that were like, no, we don't want to have a bad relationship with blank. And these, and these are not the industry. These aren't the companies where, um, that that people they're, they're, they're not CBR and they're not Newsarama. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. These these are companies that you would think would be like, oh well, they sh they don't have to give two fucks. They don't, you know, they they're not their livelihood isn't one hundred percent tied to you know two tottering potentially decaying comic book companies. And yet the fact of the matter is, those companies have enough clout and enough access, and it's and because the nature of publishing on the internet is what it is, you know, you kind of can't have, you can't have the taps turned off for like a week, you know, it's, <laughs> you've you just... literally reminded me of the, the story that I was working on for a mainstream outlet that I should say in the, the uh, concerns of keeping my job right now are not any of the ones that I write for regularly. Um, that was killed after the fact. Yeah, by a major publisher because yeah. they didn't want they didn't want the bad PR it would bring. <laughs> so 
you know, I mean, honestly, we we had our go, Graham. I mean, part of me is like, if we were, if we were the, if the wait, what Patreon was being funded at, uh, you know. <laughs> At basically a level that allowed you and I to live in the comfort that we could, you know, um, and we didn't have to give two fucks. Like, I would like to think that we could turn around and we could do that reporting, you know, but the, but the fact well, yeah, of the matter but, is okay, it doesn't but exist. But you also, know? here's the thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd still want to do the reporting. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't just want to out people on Twitter. Sure. And go, them! They're the problem! Kill them! Right. Like, you want to have the sources. You want to have people who will actually talk to you, and you'll know the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's important, right? I'm not wrong in thinking that still. No, no, no. I totally agree. And I, I honestly think that even in, you know, today's, you know, crazy-eyed uh preferences for public arena arena social media i think a lot of that really just has to do with again this feeling of disempowerment i if you can have things actually be reported on i think there will be less of the crazed mob mentality you're going to see less pitchforks and torches you know or rather, you're going to see them sort of be directed and used, uh, I, I think, hopefully, toward, you know, sensible ends, you know, uh, genuine activism, as opposed to, you know, some very, very fierce uh, knee-jerk activism. And I don't, I personally, to me, the thing that's tough is, is that... Um, I just, I, part of me is like, I don't feel like some of these in, the only thing that is changing these industries are sales and outcry, you know? And I don't, I don't know that the system is really being changed from within as much as we like. I really don't think so. I really don't, you know? And, and I honestly, I, I do see where there's a little bit where again, you know, Shelly Bond leaving, um, you know, I mean, just the fact that Shelly Bond is off Vertigo and kind of, how do I put it? There's, we don't know the whole situation. I mean, that's the part where I feel weirder. I feel at least feeling with Eddie Berganza talking about the facts that are out in the open. I feel like it's a little more, I feel more comfortable being able to talk about that, even though it's a more heinous, squickier kind of topic. Because the fact is, is with Shelly being going we don't know. We don't know that they didn't turn around and be like, hey, you know, we'll give you fucking, I don't know, you know, we'll give you the flash line of books, you know, or something. They probably yeah, or, didn't or do that. Like, no, but even like you're not going to be executive editor uh, or VP of Vertical. We'll give you senior editor of Vertical and you can launch Young Animal. Right. You, you know, know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that might have happened. <laughs> sure. It, no, it, it, right. yeah. 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 No, exactly. And I can, and I personally, I don't have any problems with, with, with her being like, fuck no. Why would I want to do that? That's perfectly fine. I'm just saying in a way that, that whole topic is much more complex. It's a little more problematic in the sense of once she goes away, like the, you know, it's like you lose something like 
20% of the female senior editors in the entire American comic book industry, you know, at a go, you know, but, um, you know, but apart from just being able to talk about that overall scope. So I, I, again, I think that, uh, at this point, as, as frustrating as the, as social media and fan rhetoric can be, and it just incredibly exasperating in its shrillness. I also think on the other hand, there's not in, we have certainly seen over the past few years, activism seeming to work, you know, sometimes it's activism followed by the threat of impending legal action, but you know, but if that's what it takes to move the dial. So part of me is kind of like, I feel like the thing about the fans, the thing about the thing about being a mob and not being able held, being held accountable for what you say is, you know, you can't fire someone from being a fan. You know, the only way that you can stop being a fan is to quit. And in that sense, any fan has more power than any reporter in the industry for video games, for comic books, and probably for most television and movies as well, you know? Uh, and that is, that is, that is the weird, unfortunate truth of the situation. So I don't, I honestly, I don't know what your, are you part of the problem? I don't know, like you said, uh, if you're, if you're not willing to, you know, literally walk away from the way you make a living. I, I don't quite know how that you can begin to change that, you know, unless it becomes some weird level of incremental activism, I suppose, you know, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I, this is going to sound, this is actually, and I know this at some point we should close this down, but as long as just, I'm, we, we should, we should stop it. And yeah. I, I'm re ready to you for you to wrap this up. Jeff. Yes. Uh, I just want to say that one of the things that was really odd for me is, uh, the other night, uh, my wife and I were watching some TV and thanks to the miracle of my new job responsibilities, I'm home earlier and there's a little more time to be like, Hey, let's watch TV. Sure. You know, the husband is brain dead, you know? And so we ended up doing something that I swear to God, Graham, we have almost never done with the exception of one season of the apprentice and one season of the survivor. I am, I'm shit. You not <laughs> Edie and I have reality. Television? Have not watched any reality TV at all. Just like at all, at all. The last two nights, um, we, or maybe three nights, because I think we watched one episode on like Sunday or Monday and one episode last night, we ended up watching, uh, as of this week, I've seen two episodes of uh, I Am Kate, you know, the um, the reality show about Caitlyn Jenner, you know, and it's pretty wild. I have to say, at least for myself, one of the things that, that I'm surprised that even though it gets touched on in the most cursory way uh, possible is Caitlyn Jenner, who is now uh, a, a trans woman who has gotten more attention, is a celebrity, was on the cover of Vanity Fair and basically has been celebrated 
by the mainstream uh, is in her show as she tries to come to terms with what it means to be a trans woman, to come out as a trans woman. One of the things they had an episode where she got together with a bunch of other trans women. They had a big talk. They ended up driving up to San Francisco so that she could talk to uh, the HR people at, who work at the HRC in San Francisco and um, deal with transgender youth is, is that this is a person who, and it, it keeps getting said by everyone around her. Here is a person who wants to be a, the, the spokesperson and the savior of trans people everywhere. And she comes from such a place of privilege that she literally has never experienced the many of the hardships and many of the problems that trans men and trans women have gone through. And I have to say, it was amazing that this is actually was actually being brought up in a show that is about this person. Now, of course, it being cued as reality TV, like when those statements get said, there's the zoom in reaction shot that could have been filmed 40 minutes earlier than the actual conversation and the ridiculously dramatic music that just gets cranked up as if, you know, someone had actually shanked someone else and, you know, they lay bleeding out on the ground before both of them. But I'm like, at least this shit is being discussed, you know, and as hard as that can be for individuals, I'm like, well, at least this discussion is happening in public behind cl- then instead of behind closed doors, you know. Again, I think for everyone who listened to this <laughs> our mini cast and went, I can't tell if these guys are part of the problem, but it's very clear they're not going to be the part of any solution unless <laughs> that solution is DCU ICU. But it's but it's, you know, it, but at least these these conversations are happening, and I'd like to think that that is that's a good thing. At a certain point, if it's you know two years from now and nothing else has happened except more conversations, I think that's going to be problematic. But for right now, I I think I'm glad that from the time that the whole situation with Braganza and Shelley Bond leaving being brought up, people. I saw, at least on social media, a lot of people saying, like, hey, you know what? Boycotts are not the way out of this. That's not going to solve anything. That's just going to end up hurting creators. It's not really going to do much about for editors, you know? And I think that's I think that's a sign of growth because at least two years ago, you know, people would have been like, well, that's it. I'm not, I'm not buying any Superman books anymore, and... You know, don't worry, people, people are still saying that. Oh, I know. The great thing is, is nobody was buying Superman books before. So it's, it's <laughs> as I think I made this joke like a year ago, it's never been easier to not buy Superman than it's been right now. You know, I have to say it's probably the easiest that people have had not buying Superman since not being Superman, buying Superman began. So. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. Exactly, I'm on that bombshell. Um, we are going to stop with this minicast mm-hmm. and instead get off our soapboxes, or Jeff's soapbox and my hair shirt. I have no idea <laughs> exactly what has been going on in this episode. Soapbox and hair shirt. They're cops with a difference. Right? Oh my god, that'd be so great. Imagine it. 
like every episode, Soapbox could make an impassioned speech about you know some important issue, right. and Hirsch would just be like, "You're right, I, you're I've, you're right. I've been doing this all wrong. Oh God, oh yeah, I, I'll change. I, I'm going to change. I, I will. I, I, just, I, oh. I just like the idea. Soapbox gives this speech, and you cut to a reaction shot of Hirschert, and they're just flagellating themselves with a wig. Exactly. Like, you're you're right. You're so right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I think we should actually sign off, Graham, and then, you know, before. Shall we then... do the normal sign off? Let's I, do the normal sign off super quickly. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. Jeff's on Twitter solo at Lazy Bassett at L A Z Y B A S T I D. I am on Twitter solo at Graham M at G R A E M E M. Uh, we are on the internet, waitwhatpodcast.com. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. You'll know that. You're listening to us. Please leave us comments, even if the comments are, what the hell are you guys doing with your Saturday evenings? <laughs> we don't know. Uh, and we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which means that Jeff has to do his Patreon spiel, yes, Mr. Lester. Yes, I do, which is we are incredibly grateful to the 121 patrons that support us on Patreon who make not just this mini-cast uh, possible, but all of our Wait What episodes and especially our Read through of the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, the Baxter Building podcast. Uh, we are especially super grateful to the people, the fine folks over at the American. It's so funny. I'm like lost the damn little thing. I'm like, <laughs> the American? I'm like, find it, look for it. And I, I say it every week. So I'm going to hopefully I'll remember to add this out. Princess Spe- Audrey, come on. Princess I, Audrey. I know. Empress, Empress Audrey. Empress you see, Audrey. Graham, you've cost us everything. <laughs> Our special thanks to the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios for the continuing support of this podcast, as well as our continuing special thanks to the Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, and like I said, all 121 of our supporters on Patreon who make this all possible. We are almost unspeakably grateful to you, and thank you so much. But only almost unspeakably grateful. Almost. Uh, we are going to, just in a second, listeners, uh, record the Baxter Building again. So you'll get two episodes, two, for your your buck, two bangs for your buck, two uh whatever. <laughs> Thank you, people. Uh, it is a weed bud, so I have to sing it out. Bye. That's perfect.